In a small town in the old country, the rabbi died. His widow, the Rebetzin, his widow, the Rebetzin, was so disconsolate that the people of the town decided she should marry again. But the town was so small that the only eligible bachelor was the town butcher. The poor Rebetzin was somewhat dismayed because, after all, she'd been married to a scholar and the butcher had no formal education at all. But she was very lonely, so she agreed and they were married. After the marriage, Friday night came. She went to the mikveh, as traditional Jewish women tended to do, And then she went home to prepare to light the Shabbos candles. The butcher leaned over to her and he said, My mother, Hannah, told me that after the mikveh and before lighting the candles, it's good to have sex. So they did. She lit the candles, prepared to sit down for dinner. And the butcher leaned over again and he said, My father, Shmuel, told me that after lighting candles and before Shabbos dinner... It's good to have sex. So they did. They went to bed that night, sang their evening prayers, and he leaned over again, and he said, My grandmother Rivka said, Before you go to sleep on Shabbos, it's a double mitzvah to have sex. So they did. When they awoke, he leaned over again, and he said, My grandfather Moshe says, When you wake up on Shabbos, It's good to have sex. So they did. On Sunday, she went out to the market to buy some food, and she ran into a friend who said, No, so how's the new husband? She replied, Well, a scholar he isn't, but he comes from a wonderful family. (laughs) That's how I think of all of you. not the sex, as a wonderful family. You know, as many of you know, <clears throat> it's been a challenging year for my, my own family. I had the privilege of standing here last year and teaching the lessons that I learned from my amazing mother, Betty Rubin, as she turned 100 during Rosh Hashanah last year. It was really one of the greatest joys of my life, knowing that she was actually watching and listening and hearing those words of tribute and love, finding solace and satisfaction, and knowing that her life had such an amazing impact, not only on me and my sisters, but on so many others who reached out and shared what she'd meant to them in their lives as well. That was literally an experience I will never forget she literally got to hear her own eulogy, which, frankly, I think is a great idea for everyone. Sadly, Mom died only a few months later. But she died, as our tradition teaches, the righteous are supposed to die, gracefully, gently, peacefully at home, as if from a divine kiss with one of my sisters by her side, holding her hand, guiding her from this world to the next.
Unfortunately, I know a lot about grief. Grief itself is a paradox. You desperately want to remember and you desperately want to forget. This is my year of mourning, but grief and I have been intimate companions my entire life. First, when I was four, my father died, and then when I was 12, on a synagogue youth group trip, horseback riding, I watched as a friend of mine fell off her horse right in front of me, hit her head, and died. And now I've spent almost 50 years as a rabbi, thousands of funerals and shivas and holding the hands of those devastated by loss, sitting with family after family after family, being at the bedside of countless men and women and, God forbid, the children who have died, being president of griefhaven.org for the past 20 years, started with our help by our dear friend Susan Whitmore after her beloved daughter Erica died at age 32, diagnosed with a, with a rare cancer while planning her wedding. Griefhaven.org has over a million visits a year, testifying to the deep and profound need of so many in search of healing and comfort in their grieving. Yes, yes, I know a lot about grief. I'm reminded of the famous country-western song sung by Kenny Chesney. Some of you may have heard it with the refrain, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody want to go now. (laughs) And we all saw that one of the most devastating side effects of the pandemic was the nightmare that all of us clergy experienced when someone died. Like my own Uncle Harry, who died in the first year of the pandemic, lying in the hospital, frightened, alone, surrounded by masked strangers rather than the comfort of family surrounding him. No one should have to die like that. No one. No gathering of loved ones to share stories and comforting memories, no extended family, friends, or community to gather to accompany their loved one from one life to death. And then there were those funerals themselves, stark, lonely, no more than ten people allowed, everyone wearing masks, had to be outside, everyone six feet apart from each other, only one household of mourners, no one allowed to carry the casket or even place earth on the grave or hug their loved ones. Death itself became the loneliest of traumas for everyone touched by its cold, lifeless fingers during those tragic months. Only Zoom, distant, impersonal, sterile, literally inhuman, and inhumane. On the other hand, we, we the Jewish people, we are a people, a civilization that recognizes that death and life literally go hand in hand and that have always, always seen memory itself and the sharing of memories of loved ones as a sacred act. It's fascinating that in classic rabbinic literature, when an evil person is mentioned, 
His name is followed by an acronym for the Hebrew words Yamach Shamo. May his name be blotted out. In the minds of our ancient sages, the worst thing that one could wish upon another, the curse of all curses, is that he or she will be forgotten. And yes, the opposite is also true. When we speak about a good person, when we speak of someone we love, someone we admire, someone who made a difference in our lives, here, Jewish tradition teaches us to say, may his or her memory be a blessing. Both of these, the, the curse and the blessing, teach us essentially the same lesson, that to be remembered is to live beyond the grave. Then again, we've all heard the famous Woody Allen line, I don't want to live on in the hearts of my friends and family. I want to live on in my apartment. <laughs> we all know, really, that there certainly is a life after death for those we love. It's a life that is lived literally every day in our hearts, in our souls, in our dreams, in our daily comings and goings with every memory, every moment we think of them, every word they would have said, every act they would have done in the same moment. One of the many lessons I learned from my mother's death is that the real challenge in our lives is to not only be good descendants, but to be good ancestors as well. Have you ever seen a bottle of detergent manufactured by that company called Seventh Generation? We use it at home because it's environmentally friendly. But the company derives its name from a statement in the Great Law of the Iroquois Confederacy written by the Iroquois elders that says, In our every deliberation we must consider the impact of our decision on the next seven generations. Wow. Who could possibly know that better than we, the Jewish people, who have been passing down our wisdom, our moral challenges, our way of life, our memories, both personal and collective, for more than a hundred generations? And here we are on this sacred day. At the very same time, both descendants of generations who came before and ancestors of those yet to come. And every choice we make, every memory we cherish, every lesson we teach will be the gift of love, the gift of life, the gift that will remain when our physical lives are over, that will make all the difference to those who come after us. What COVID-19 taught us all was a reminder of what really matters most. And we all know it. It's not the travel to exotic places or the bigger office or the luxury car, not more money in the bank, not fancier suits or ties, even though I like them, designer shoes and purses as beautiful as they are. But as I've said over and over again throughout my career, even from this very Bima, that the most important things in life are never things at all. They are always people, the people we love, the people we cherish, the people who matter in our lives. That is the essence of life itself, the lives we cherish, the people we love, the preciousness of the everyday, the ordinary, the simplest ability to 
to touch someone and hug the ones we love. It is death, after all, every bit as much as life that makes us fully human. If you ask firefighters, what do people grab when their house is on fire in that moment of panic, they will tell you the three Ps, people, pets, and pictures. Not the fine jewelry or the china or even the cash. Pictures. Pictures are priceless because they represent moments in time with the people we love. And that That is always what matters most. Moments in time with the people we love. Viktor Frankl, the brilliant psychiatrist and Auschwitz survivor, wrote a book that literally changed my life and was one of the most influential books of the 20th century called Man's Search for Meaning. In it he wrote, The meaning of life is to help others to find the meaning of theirs. The meaning of life is to help others find the meaning of theirs. Perhaps that's why we're all here. That's why we've created this drama of the high holy days, year after year, for literally thousands of years. To remember, in spite of our insecurities and our often faltering sense of self-worth, that we are, as Jewish tradition teaches us, but little lower than the angels. And our task, our challenge Our our mission in life is to live every day, as I always say, so that what we say matters and what we do matters and who we are matters in the lives of others. One of the greatest rabbis and teachers of the last century, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel, once wrote, to have more does not mean to be more. Well, to be more is to make a difference in the lives of others. And I think that inevitably is one of the most profound lessons of Rosh Hashanah, this Yom Hadin, this Day of Judgment. Last year, I shared the lessons of my mom's life, and tonight I'm essentially sharing the lessons of her death. As our beloved Rabbi Cheryl Lourd of Blessed Memory so beautifully wrote, death is always personal. That was indeed the first lesson I learned all over again. I've seen it myself hundreds of times as a rabbi, and there I was in that exact context, but this time sitting as the mourner, sitting with my three sisters, talking about mom, what we should say at her funeral, and learning all over again, but somehow more intimately and more powerfully and more more personally than ever before, that every memory is personal. Every relationship is unique, and ours alone. Everyone has their own truth, and that is to be respected, honored, and cherished. Perhaps the most important lesson I learned this year is that relationships themselves are not merely life-affirming. They are literally life-saving. In Genesis God says it's not good for people to be alone. And believe it or not, the most recent studies show that loneliness is as dangerous to our health as obesity, smoking, and alcoholism. In the latest eye-opening study, loneliness alone increased the risk of premature death 
by 26%. Remember back in 1964 when the Surgeon General of the United States first reported that smoking caused cancer. It literally changed our entire way of thinking and saved the lives of millions ever since. Well, sadly, the latest report of the current Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Vivek Murthy, is a stark warning that loneliness itself is the most urgent health concern of 2023. It's just one indicator of where we're going. Between 2001 and 2019, the suicide rate for teenagers jumped 40%. And emergency room visits for self-harm rose 88%. And according to the National Institutes of Health, overdose deaths have tripled in the last five years, and so many of those, so many of those overdoses can be directly linked to loneliness and searching for drugs that can alleviate that pain. Think about this. 73% of Americans under 30 believe that people just look out for themselves most of the time. 60% of Americans under 30 believe most people simply can't be trusted. Indeed, a, a study from the Pew Foundation reports that most young adults in the United States see others as, quote, selfish, exploitative, and untrustworthy. Meanwhile, another recent survey from YouGov found that one in five millennials reported having zero friends. Zero friends, except, of course, the virtual ones on Instagram or Facebook or something. Is it any wonder that deaths of despair disproportionately plague Americans? 2021, suicide was the second leading cause of death for Americans aged 10 to 34. And the suicide rate for men in 2021 was nearly four times higher than that of women. Sadly, what it too often means to be a man in our society is to feel isolated and lonely. A few months ago, the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline answered 160,000 more calls, chats, and text messages than a year ago. And a Harvard social scientist tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years, and he found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong social connections. In fact, people with bad habits like smoking, poor eating, or obesity, or alcohol use, but strong social ties actually lived longer than people with great health habits, but who are isolated. Let's go for a drink. (laughs) In other words, my wife was thrilled to learn that it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. And I'm a vegan, so... James Baldwin once said, not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. So let's face this reality together as a community, as a congregation, as a family. What is the solution, the remedy for this 
seemingly ubiquitous loneliness, we actually all know. Number one, get social. Social people are simply happier and live literally longer. Connect in real time in the real world with real people, not merely online. And number two, what Judaism has always known and taught, be other-oriented. Do something for someone else. After all, that's why we have so many tikkun olam opportunities right here at KI. And look, Los Angeles is literally filled with other possibilities as well. And number three, gratitude. Gratitude and attitude of gratitude can literally save your life. Every day. Acknowledge your gifts, your blessings, your talents, your relationships, your life itself. Now that I'm turning 75 this year, I'm reminded of the story I heard recently about a woman my age who went to a new dentist for the first time and she saw his full name written on the diploma that was on his wall. She recalled that a tall, handsome, dark-haired boy with the same name had been in her high school class some nearly, I don't know, 60 years before. She thought, could he actually be the same fellow that she had a secret crush on way back then? Upon seeing him, however, she quickly discarded any such thought because this ancient, balding, gray-haired man was way, way too old to have been her classmate. But, as you can imagine, after he examined her, she got up the courage to ask him anyway if he had by chance attended Santa Monica High School. Yes, yes, I did, he gleamed with pride. I was a Samohai Viking. When did you graduate, she asked. Um, 1967, why do you ask? Wow, she exclaimed, you were in my class. He looked closely at her and then he asked, what did you teach? (laughs) Well, this is what we teach. Every Rosh Hashanah, Every new year is another opportunity to remind ourselves how blessed we are, how privileged we are to be alive and to be alive today. And to realize how desperately so many others, including someone you just might know, need the gift of relationships that you can give. So join a group, call a friend, reconnect with those who have drifted out of sight or are out of mind, I think virtually every family I know has someone that someone else doesn't talk to. So perhaps this year, perhaps this week, reach out and talk to that person and reestablish lost relationships. If you do, I promise your life will be richer and much more meaningful and you might just literally save the life of someone you know by simply being someone who matters in their life in the year ahead. Shana Tova and Shabbat Shalom.